You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. <laughs> okay, I'm recording again. Uh, I'm recording too. I'm recording too. There. You see him. Take three. Wow, Sitting wow, very close wow. the way. His hair she looks a little crazy, <laughs> but there's something about him. I th- I, this is this close to being offensive. <laughs> You're, you're, uh, listen, this is, that was, I don't know. That was Welcome to Guys Who Like Musicals. Welcome to Guys Who Like Musicals. Dan and I were just singing poorly and, um, Classic. that's what, what we're doing. What a way to start. What a way to start. <laughs> um, another week. Um, this week we are, I guess we're veering a little bit, but we're really, um, trying to focus in on things that, uh, frankly, things we love and things that you can see right now. So we are talking about the documentary Howard, which you can watch right now on Disney plus. You can watch it. We watched it last night and I didn't, I'm not crying. You're crying. Here's the log line. He gave a mermaid, her voice and a beast, his soul. So an actor is saying his lines and then out of nowhere, he just starts singing. Five, six, seven, eight. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Howard is about Howard Ashman, the lyricist of such Disney classics as Aladdin, Beauty and the Beast, The Little Mermaid, and The Little Shop of Horrors. Uh, this is a documentary featuring never-before-seen archival footage, personal films, and photographs, as well as interviews with Howard's friends and family. The film is an intimate look into the Disney legend's life, uh, his creative drive, and the process behind the music. Spanning from his childhood home in Baltimore to his formative years in New York, Howard goes in-depth to explore his journey to become the f- the lyricist behind some of the most beloved and well-known classic family films in the world. He wrote the words to our childhood. He Let's sure just call did. it what it is. Let's just and call it what it is. I found a way to tie it into last week so that we have a oh. good transition. Well, you were not allowed to talk you... about... It's okay. <laughs> I know you love transitions. I'm a big fan of transitions. to your senses. And yes, also, exactly. I'm okay. sorry to everyone listening that we don't have a guest this week, but... I'm also no, not it's just, sorry. Yeah, because we're going to nerd out about the guy who wrote such lyrics as Certain as the Sun Rising in the East, Beauty and the Beast. The yeah. only reason that I know that the sun rises in the East is because of the lyric to that song. I, every, okay, I we forget. We won't talk about the public school system in Michigan. That's, <laughs> that's, that's for another day. Um, <laughs> so I don't know if you caught this, but 
there's a segment where he's bragging about how many people were interested in Little Shop. And he says uh-huh. that they settled on the Schuberts, David Geffen, and Cameron McIntosh, ah. the original producer of Little uh-huh. Shop Off-Broadway at the Orpheum Theater in New York City. Who produced Phantom of the Opera. That's well right. done. Well done, Dan. You're a real podcaster now. <laughs> That's right. Just in I case. I am a journalist. <laughs> uh, you're a journalist. Uh, that's amazing. That's amazing. Um, this was such a remarkable documentary. And, and uh, you know, I think that a lot of people, frankly, don't really know. They know Beauty and the Beast. They know Aladdin. They know this Disney renaissance that that happened in the early, you know, late 80s, early 90s that we'll talk about. Um, but Howard Ashman is a name that if you don't know he has certainly touched your life and your, your history with musical theater because the best musical theater in the early nineties was, uh, was Disney movies, you know, like, yeah, like, we, you know, and, and the revival and was, of Broadway started in cartoon form. You right. Know? Exactly. Exactly. So, so we'll get into all of this, but this yeah. guy, you, you, this is, this was a remarkable story and something that will just, it'll make you cry. It'll make you, you know, laugh and think. And, yeah. um, it is such a celebration of, of everything we love about Broadway and you can check it out right now, which is all we're trying to do in this, you know, in this time. So, and uh, also let's like, get, yeah, we should, you know, while you're at it, you know, he wrote, we can watch Aladdin, Beauty and the Beast and Little Mermaid. I wish I had time yes. to do that this and, week and watch all those it, again, because and, yeah. Genius and little shop of horrors, you know, right. like, I mean, you know, the movie, um, yeah. so there's, uh, you can see all of that stuff. And, and Alex was saying, you know, we were watching it last night and she was like, we have to watch all of these movies now. Like yeah. now we're just going to do a Disney. We're doing a Disney week, deep dive. um, deep dive. Um, and it's fun, but it's also kind of a fun, um, sort of bridge because last week or two weeks ago, we watched Robin hood, the, the original, the Robin hood from oh, the, cool. the 70 little John Robin hood walking yeah. through the forest. Robin Hood and Little John walking through the forest, laughing back and forth at what the other has to say. Right, one of my favorites from my childhood. Like we, I had that on a loop when I was yeah. when I was a kid. And then there there was this gap in sort of Disney animation history from like the sort of middle, late you know, 60s, like right? late sixties. That that was nineteen seventy one, I believe, okay. when, when Robin Hood came out. And then like you know the the sort of mid seventies into the eighties where there was basically nothing. They talk about in the in the documentary how Disney animation was moved off the Disney campus to a bunch of trailers, and that is where they this Disney Renaissance started again with, and we'll get into it, Little Mermaid. So technically, it was with cool. Oliver yeah. and Company and the, right. the Great Detective and uh, Amblin Media, which is or Amblin Entertainment, which is Steven Spielberg's company was right. the kind of the beginning and then what secured it was Howard and, and Alan Menken. Which is super, super so, cool. And like this, yeah, anyway, so we'll get into it. We'll get into it and I'm going to run through some of this history. A lot of this, I'm going to really, because I did a lot of this research before we, before I watched the documentary, so I'm going to try yeah. and go fast through all this stuff and only cover the things that aren't in the documentary. Love so it. kind of add a little bit more uh, texture to this guy's life. So, uh, obviously, the beginning of the film all covers his ch- uh, Howard's childhood and going to going to college, and uh, he eventually goes to grad school at Indiana University. And when he leaves Indiana University, he comes to New York and he founds the iconic Off Broadway theater, the WPA. And that he did for a, a few years, and that's where he wrote his first musical with Alan Menken, called uh, "God Bless You, Mister Rosewater," which is a Kurt. Vonnegut book that they adapted 
And then they transferred that off Broadway. And that was when he started to really kind of catch steam uh, in the community in New York. But he met Alan Menken at BMI workshop and his classmate was Maury Yeston, just sensible. It's good. Maury yep. Yeston wrote Nine in Lacage and Grand Hotel and Titanic. Um, BM, BMI workshop, for those of you who don't know, it's a, a composer and lyricist workshop where you go for three years and you participate with other composer lyricists. And a lot of uh, iconic groups have gotten together working in this workshop, like Aronson Flaherty, who wrote Ragtime and Anastasia, Tom Kitt and Brian Yorkie, who actually wrote Next to Normal at the BMI workshop as part of their third year presentation. Andrew Lippa went there, uh, Go Blue. He wrote yep. Wild Party and Big Fish. Bobby and Kristen Lopez went to BMI uh, of Avenue Q and Frozen. And Janine Tesori, who wrote Fun Home and Carolina Change and Thoroughly Modern Millie, she also went to BMI. So that was kind of where they got their... Uh, that was yeah. where their, their relationship originated, and that was uh, kind of one of the foundations of, of how they knew to write the way that they did. But their first yeah. real like commercial success was Little Shop of Horrors in 1982. Howard was the director, librettist, and lyricist. It ran off-Broadway for five years. It's the third longest-running off-Broadway show, and it's the highest-grossing off-Broadway show of all time. He won the Drama Desk Award for Best Music, the Drama Critics Circle for Best Musical. And uh, there's a lot of other stuff I have in here that we can talk about with Little Shop because there's a lot of really interesting details about why they chose to do the show the way they did. And, and I think there's yeah. a lot of cool history there. Just back to um, God bless you, Mr. Rosewater. They did just revive. It was not, it didn't run for very long uh, when it first opened um, off Broadway, you know, 1979 and they transferred it. Um, but the, uh, they did it off broad, off center, encores off center in 2016 with um, Santino Fontana and mm. uh, Bruno Malley, James Earl Jones, and there is a uh, a cast recording of that. So like, there's a lot of great music in there that like people don't really know. Mm. And so if you want to explore a cast album and like you know just kind of impress impress your friends, like oh, do you know like what Alan Menken and, and Howard Ashman's <laughs> first show was? Because like it was actually this one. Um, it's, it's a wonderful, uh, it, it, there's a lot of great, great music in there. And, um, there, you know, this, this cast album, it was directed by Michael Mayer, uh, at Encores Off Center and there's a cast album. So. Oh, sick. It was. Yeah. Yeah. yeah awesome. I saw they, they played some clips from that and I was, I was, uh, curious yeah. what production that yeah. was. Um, yeah. so after the success of Little Shop of Horrors, Howard directs and writes the book and lyrics for, uh, a show called Smile based on a movie with Marvin Hamlish who was the uh the pigot winning the this, this is winner the, that, this is, this is like wild so, yeah 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 because you put that in in this in our notes that like it is crazy and they talk about it in the documentary that marvin hamlish obviously wrote chorus line um along with other things but like he was he was one of the heaviest hitters he was lin manuel uh, yeah he was he, yeah. he was the guy and yeah. and you know this was the first the first kind of I guess collaboration outside. It felt like the first collaboration that, that, that Howard had outside of Alan Macon. And it was like going to be his ticket to Broadway. It was going to be his like Broadway, you know, kind of the Broadway, I don't know, entrance to the club, if you will. Exactly. And then it just exactly. like totally, I mean, failed. I hate saying failed, but it runs for 48 performances. Right. 
you know, but it was not successful. A, yeah. a quote lost musical because it doesn't have a cast yeah. recording. But I've definitely heard girls sing from uh, it. Neverland. Neverland. We a lot of people in at Michigan in college did Neverland uh, or it. Disneyland. Uh, Disneyland. Uh, yeah, Disneyland. Sorry, Disneyland. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is kind of a famous song from it. So there is some stuff that you find, but. Um, but yeah, and, uh, I thought that this was kind of cool yeah. um, that that Jody Benson played the lead in Smile. And after, I mean, they talk about this in the documentary as well, but after the this, uh, you know, Smile didn't turn out as everybody hoped that Howard gave her the audi- the chance to audition for the voice of Ariel. Um, and she talks about that in the documentary. Like, you never know how things are going to go, basically. Um, yeah. That, you know, what a, what a gift. Yeah, totally. And, and it, piggybacking off of that, I think the most striking thing about, so he, he has this show that completely fails and then he literally runs away from New York is the way it was described by Don Hahn triumphant. Didn't think I was not going to get that in there. Don Hahn was the producer of Beauty and the Beast and he produced the Hunchback and, and he's the director of this movie. And he talks about Howard fleeing to Los Angeles because he was so humiliated and felt like he was, he didn't want to expose himself to Broadway again because he felt like his self was identified in his work. And so he like flees New York after this terrible thing happens to him. And then he changes the world. Yeah. Right. right, right, You know what I mean? Like it's such a good reminder. It was so inspiring to me because I was like, yeah, you're right. Like it doesn't, there's no really such thing as failure. There's just like the next thing that you can do because yeah. hindsight's twenty twenty. And when you look back, it's like, thank God Smile failed. Right. Because if Smile doesn't fail, who who knows if he just, if, you know, I'm sure we would have all of these musicals that he would have written in New York. It would have been fine. You know, like uh, who, could have been that, fine. this other path would have been amazing too. But the idea that we got, we get the Little Mermaid and Aladdin and Beauty and the Beast because almost because of the failure of smile. I think that's a very interesting, yeah, you know, it's a really sort of like, you know, reminder. that, that, that sound of music quote, you know, where, where he, you know, where God closes a wind, closes a door somewhere. He opens a window. It's like, right. yeah, he opens this window in LA, you know, and, uh, and everything changes. It's, everything it's, changes. it's cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 He moves to Los Angeles and he writes the lyrics for a song in the movie called Oliver and company, which is a, animal representation of the Oliver story. Ah. And there's some iconic people in it. Joey Lawrence plays Oliver Twist and Billy Joel plays the Artful Dodger. <laughs> wait. Wait a minute. <laughs> yes, dude. Wait a minute. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Bette Midler's in it. Wait. Stephanie wait. Styles would be mad at you, dude. This is like a huge bit of Disney history that that is, is yeah. worth checking out. Honestly, um, I, I missed this. I missed... Th- I miss this completely. This yeah. with Oliver and company. I'm and just it looking was, it up right now. Wow. Um, yeah. So while he's working on this, he, he hears about the little mermaid. Howard hears about little mermaid and he kind of dives into the little mermaid. And, um, it was the first fairy tale that they'd, done in 30 years and he wrote all the songs for the film and he talks about how they said who do you want to bring in to write the music and he said i want alan alan menken so that secures their relationship with disney and they make this little known story called the little mermaid it was released in 1989 and it was a huge success uh, yeah. they received two golden globe nominations and three academy award nominations including two for kiss the girl and under the sea they win the academy award for under the sea 
in ni- then in 1988, while he's working on The Little Mermaid, Howard pitches an idea for Aladdin. And Which is so cool in the movie to like watch because yeah. he he play. I mean, Aladdin is this 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 sort of ancient, almost ancient tale, you know, fairy tale and 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 whatever. And that he played Aladdin in one of the adaptations of the play in college, yeah. and he comes in, and that was one of the coolest things to see, like the deck that he created, the treatment. I mean, you and I are working on treatments all the time. That like right. he came in thirty with three page songs. treatment. <laughs> he came in with this thirty page treatment and three songs, uh, Arabian right. Nights. Uh, was Prince Ali, Nights for friends, friend like me, and Prince and Ali, Prince Ali, and was like, like, could you imagine being in the room and and having Howard Ashman come in with that treatment and be like, okay, so listen to this, um, like Alan Menken talks about in the film, like wh- seeing a, a Howard Ashman lyric in front of him for the first time, and as yeah. a, as a composer, like what that meant to him, and. We'll talk about our, our relationship because we we have a relationship with Alan Macon that's kind of cool. Um, some stories about him, but we'll get to that later. Um, but that Aladdin story, you know, that was really, really, really remarkable and really kind of what his his fingerprint is all over all of these movies. But he sort of almost served as like as lyricist, book writer, director, star. You know, he he kind of had like his hand on every part of these movies. Yeah, he was you so know, story obsessed. It seemed like yes, he yeah. he he needed to ha- make sure that the story was being told in every single moment. So he couldn't help himself but to involve himself in the music and the way right. the way the actresses were singing and the yeah. way that characters were drawn and all of that kind of stuff, which is such a good reminder and is an awesome story. So they're working yeah. on Aladdin and they get approached to try and help Beauty and the Beast, which was floundering apparently during production, and. Um, at this point he's learned that he's sick and has HIV at the time that kind of starts this downward trajectory of his health, which later starts to affect how these productions function. And you can see a lot more detail about that in the film, but it's really hard, hard to watch. Um, you just feel so bad for this guy who had so much potential and so much life and you just see that gets sapped, you know, out of it. I think, I think that it's, it's worth mentioning and I was going to mention this later, but I think it's as good a time as any to say like to remind people and we're, we're young guys ish, you know, and it's 2020 and there's a pandemic, but there was an epidemic in the eighties and nineties that, that took an entire generation of musical theater performers, writers, composers, directors, people who you have, I feel like we all have to remember like the world that could have been. Yeah. If, Howard Ashman was still here if this generation was not lost to the AIDS epidemic. Um, and I think in that time, you know, we'll get to this too, when he won the Academy Award posthumously for Beating the Beast, that his partner got up and said so eloquently. In working on Beauty and the Beast, Howard faced incredible personal challenges, but always gave his best. And what made that possible was an atmosphere of understanding, love, and support. That's something everyone facing AIDS not only needs, but deserves. There's an inscription at Howard's grave in Baltimore. It reads, oh, that he had one more song to sing. We'll never hear that song, but I'm deeply grateful for this tribute you've given to what he left behind. For Howard, I thank you. Basically just encompassed the, the everything that one could want to hear about this fight with AIDS, you know, in a very public way. Yeah, that's a really good point, Joe. Uh, so 
Beauty and the Beast comes out after uh, a few months after uh, Howard passes and it wins the Golden Globe for Best Motion Picture and it became the first film, first animated film to be nominated for the Academy Award for Best Picture. Uh, it won the Academy Award for Best Original Score and Best Original Song, and, which Joe just mentioned, and it received nominations for Best Sound yeah. in 1994. Um, yeah, go ahead. No, 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 no. I, I, and then you, you were just going to say it, that in 94, uh, it, it was adapted to a Broadway musical. Right. Um, Iconic cast album. Yo, Terrence Mann. Dude, listen... I just Oof. listened to that. Just listened to it over and over and over again. And I, I, there's a joke in here that it's, it's the musical that made me want to be an actor professionally because we really? did it my, my, oh yeah, we did it my sophomore year of high school. Uh, we were one of the first um, high schools to do it like in Michigan or whatever. And still, if I go back to Grand Rapids or East Grand Rapids, people will still bring that up as the best thing I've ever done. Do you remember when you were the beast to be in the beast? So my sophomore year of high school. And I was like, yeah, well, I've, <laughs> I mean, yeah, you peaked. Yeah, I I peaked at sixteen. So I, I, I just remember, like, it was, it was, it was the best. It was the best, and I, I am so. It's very funny to relive, but it was, it was the greatest. It was the greatest show. It's the greatest show I've ever done. That's it. I should have quit after that. I had the same experience with another show that we'll talk about on here in a couple weeks. Great, Um, great, yeah, great. So the last show that that Howard had his hand in was Aladdin, which came out in 1992. The process of that show was a bit tumultuous. This 30-page treatment that Howard built with with Alan was kind of thrown away. And out of the 16 songs that he wrote for Aladdin, only three of them survive. And then one of them uh, was put back into the show when the Broadway production came out, which is Proud of Your Boy. And yeah, uh, we which, have a story about Alan Menken and what opened my eyes to this story. And this man was, was this time that Alan Menken came and did a workshop at school. And when he ta- started talking about Howard, do you remember him crying? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. He started, he could not, he it was st- brutal. He couldn't, he couldn't get it out. He couldn't, he, it was, it was one of the coolest days ever. Um, Alan Menken, we went to school with uh, Nora Menken, uh, Alan's uh, daughter. And uh, Nora was a year older than us. Her senior year, uh, Alan Menken came and did a master class, and that master class included, among other things, um, our friend Will Burton, friend of the podcast, getting up and singing "Proud of Your Boy" in front of him. And "Proud of Your Boy" is a song that obviously was put back into uh, the Broadway version of Aladdin, and it was a song that was one of Howard's favorite lyrics that he had ever written because it was unbelievably personal. Proud of your boy. I'll make you proud of your boy, mom. You know, as bad as I've been, mom, all of these things that it was incredibly personal. It was incredibly personal to Howard. And he was, you know, it was devastating that it didn't make it into the movie, but then they were able to put it back into the show. It became this musical theater phenomenon where a lot of people were singing it as an audition song Mm -hmm. before Aladdin came to the stage officially. So we knew a little bit about it and it was the coolest thing ever. So Will Burton gets up and he has his binder of music and, and he's in, they're talking about the history of, uh, you know, Howard's history and, and, and Aladdin and the whole thing. And Will goes to put the music in front of Alan Menken to play it at the piano. Alan Menken's going to play it at the piano for Will and Will is going to perform it in front of the entire 
uh, uh, school school, basically (laughs) program. And he goes to put the music and I have chills. He goes to put the music in front of, of Alan and Alan looks at him and he goes, I don't need that. (laughs) And he just looks up and, and Alan Menken is watching Will the whole time. He never looks down at the keys. He never looks anywhere else. And he just watches Will sing this song and, and play the music, you know, with no music in front of him. It was one of the coolest things and everybody's crying. I don't care who you are. Like right. everybody was, was, was a mess during this time. Yeah. Um, it was amazing. And then the, that, so that was a sort of a, a very emotional moment. The next thing that he did is, is he plays, uh, Alan Menken sits at the piano and plays a mashup of basically every song he's ever written, uh, at the piano from, from Beauty and the Beast to Hercules to, you know, all, all the Aladdin songs and just everything. So that, and that was like this 12 minute, uh, medley of, of, of all of his greatest hits. It was one of the coolest days ever. I might still have a recording of that on my phone. I definitely do. Work all day out in the sun to slave away while we devote full time to floating under the sea. Look at this stuff, isn't it neat? What do you think my collection's complete? What do you think I'm the girl, the girl who has everything? Great. So awards and crit- considerations and critical response. Obviously, every we've talked about awards. It's won, They've won a bunch of awards for their shows. But I thought some of these things were cool. Little Mermaid has a 93% on Rotten Tomato- Tomatoes and an 88 Metacritic score. Beauty and the Beast has a 94% on Rotten Tomatoes with a 95 critic score and an A-plus cinema score. And Aladdin has a 95% on Rotten Tomatoes, an 86 Metacritic score, and an A-plus cinema score. So these movies have obviously stood the test of time. They built totally. our childhoods and our love for Broadway. And uh, that leads us into impact. Yeah, seriously. So we talked about the Disney Renaissance earlier, um, but the 80s were a dark time for Disney animation. Um, you know, coming off the, the the classics of, like I said, Robin Hood and P- Pinocchio, which they're making a remake of, that's coming up. Um, and then, you know, even back to Sleeping Beauty. And so this renaissance that we call it was sort of, uh, you know, the period between 89 and 1990, um, you know, where 99, no, sorry, 18, 1989 and 1999, where it was just like all the movies, you know, you know, from little mermaid to, to, uh, you know, Hercules and beyond. I mean, it was just like that, that decade of just like, you know, perfect Broadway animated movies, basically, you know, animated movies through Broadway. Um, I love this. Concludes that, yeah. with like Tarzan. Yeah, right. Which was still, Tarzan's like the cap. Yeah. Also, a gr- love Tarzan. Don't care who you are. Love Tarzan. <laughs> love Tarzan. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, so I think that one of the things about this, the impact of this, that that I, I think is huge, is like again, like we talk about Disney, the Disney animated movie of that time brought Broadway kind of back to life. I mean, in the same way too. I mean. Yeah, there was a cool thing in there where Howard was talking about um, how the the final frontier of the Broadway musical is in animation. Yeah, and what's interesting about that, just for those of you who don't know, I'm not sure if we've ever, ever covered this on the podcast before, but anybody who's been who was in New York in the '70s and '80s knew that Times Square was not a great place to be, and with Disney opening Beauty and the Beast on Broadway in 1994, it began the renaissance of Times Square and the Disneyfication 
of Broadway and the revitalization of, of the center part of New York City was built on the back of Howard Ashman and Alan Menken's musicals. Like, we do not have the industry and the, the this beautiful tourist attraction that we have now without those guys. Is it beautiful? And without these stories. <laughs> well, yeah, that was an interesting word choice. Honestly, I would say. but I, like I'm not sure. But like beautiful now. Like all I want to do is like walk through the the you know bright lights and and you know headache that is Times Square. Uh but know, it's probably but, better than it was when people no, were totally and it was just this thing that like you know they yeah. You know, Disney and, and uh, said it, said at the time, like, or if we're going to bring family musicals to Times Square, we have to know that that Times Square is not going to be the cesspool that it was. And they completely, yeah. you know, revitalized it. You know, kind of that was a very controversial thing back in sort of like the age of you know Giuliani as mayor, where like there was a lot of stuff going on yeah. in New York. But it was like here here comes Disney, and we're going to bring you know we're going to revitalize Times Square, and that happened with with Beauty and the Beast. Not to be political about anything yeah. there, but. This, yeah, it's just, just was, an interesting yeah. piece of history of what the impact of, of all of this was. Um, and then there, the impact of like kind of the, they t basically, in my opinion, like taught a generation about story song, about yeah. the idea that musicals are not just fluff. Musicals are not just, uh, okay, we, the story's going and now we stop and we sing a song. They really are simple. Yep. They rhyme perfectly obviously but mostly they're pushing the story and and the story is changing and the character starts in one place and finishes in the other and it's it's really yeah and it takes um, a, a lot of a lot of writers say it, it takes an unbelievable amount of craft to make something seem easy you know like yeah it may it may sound easy to write you know tale as old as time song as old as rhyme but, right. but you didn't write it and you couldn't, you know, like, <laughs> so yeah. I think that's kind of the fun part too, to be like, it's so masterful because it is so complicated. And then we'll get into this now, like, cause we're talking, we're going to get to the music section because it's so, yeah, this is the most important part of, of all of this, you know, for, for us for, and for him. But like, then he goes and rhymes a million different things, but like one of my, we're going to talk about this later, but like he rhymes Shaw with Baklava in right. Friend Like Me. Right. You know, so I don't know. It's just, he's, he was just a genius. It was just an absolute genius. Totally. So, so let's get into, we'll get into the, the music. This is the best part. It is Ryan here. And I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Uh, we're going to talk now in a new segment called craft kind of the craft of, of these composers and, and what they were doing. And there's a really awesome segment in the, uh, in the film where 
Howard's talking about poor unfortunate souls and like poor unfortunate souls is a great song because we all remember kind of the iconic uh, behavioral, you know, mood of Ursula. But also when you look at the song on the page, like uh, Ariel doesn't know who Ursula is. And by the end of the song, she's a human. Yeah. 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 (laughs) There's a lot going on in this thing. that's like, you know, seemingly simple. Yeah, exactly. And, and all of these, I mean, kiss the girl. Another one brings us right to the edge of where like, she's going to become a human and reclaim her voice. And you know, like, like, Oh, Oh my God. It's almost a yes. Almost a yes. Uh, It just, you know, it's, it's, it's so perfect. And then back to, uh, the, like the very first song, the probably most iconic song in the movie is part of your world. And it, first of all, it didn't almost didn't even make it in the movie, which they talk about, which is insane. Now in retrospect, there was one person, I forget who it is, but the one person was like, you know, like, uh, you know, uh, we, you know, I wanted to cut it and I didn't want it in the movie. It was Jeffrey Katzenberg. It was the, the head of, uh, yeah. He was a yeah. large job at Disney. I forget exactly yeah, what yeah. his title was. Um, and uh, I guess it had not tested well. Like mm-hmm. that's the, the story that was on Wikipedia that's is so that crazy. they tested it in front, of a, in, in front of a bunch of kids as they usually do test these movies, especially at Disney in front of the audience that they are trying to sell it to. Right. And the kids were like really like rowdy. Mm. Yeah. And so they were like, well, we got to cut this song because it doesn't work for the kids. And Howard was like, absolutely not. We need an I want song. Yep. You don't know what that is, but I know what <laughs> we that need is it here. Well, and that's what we <laughs> want to get into because like the, the master, he was, he was so such a purist when it came to musical theater. And it would like the idea of, of, of Eliza Doolittle and my fair lady, all I want is a room somewhere, you know, with, with ton, with chocolate for me to eat and, and you know, a room with lots of heat. He wrote that with somewhere that's green. Somewhere that's green in, in, in yeah. Little Shop of Horrors is that exact same model. That has happened in every musical that you've ever seen, whether you know it or not. The second song in every musical is the song where the person, whoever it is, stands up there and tells you exactly what they want. And then for the next two and a half hours, they're going to be chasing it. From The Wizard and I to, you know, Orlando in the Book of Mormon, it is, that is, yep. that's the model. So he said, no, children can handle this. Like, you know... The, you know, part of your world is I want to be where the people are. I just want to mm-hmm. be up where up where the people are, and I'm going to take you on this journey for the next two hours. And it is it's mass it's masterful. It's it's exactly everybody's still doing it. It's exactly what what musical theater is based on. Anyway, it was just so so cool. So I know Seymour's the greatest, but I'm dating a semi sadist. So I got a black eye in my arm to the cast. Seymour's a cutie. Well, if not, he's got inner beauty. And I dream of a place where we could be together at last. There was also, uh, there's a cool thing in here where Alan Menken said that that Howard changed his ability to write a song Mm. and changed his understanding of, of style. And he was talking about they weren't sure what direction to take the style of, of Little Shop. Yeah. And and they settled on the dark side of Greece. It's just awesome. Right? It's just awesome. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you can hear that too. He play there's a clip we can play right here. That 
girl group rock and roll thing, which, yeah, is, the which is so genius. Idea, yeah. yeah, it's just, yeah, yeah so good. Uh, you have this thing in here, too, from the, the show that the Little Shop commercial, it's just, the, the, that, oh that is just... <laughs> Never before in the history of the American stage have you seen such high drama. You don't meet nice boys when you live on Skid Row, Mr. Bushnick. Suspense. Little red dots all over the floor. And romance. It's bone chilling. It's spine tingling. It's a musical. It's a nifty laugh right and entertaining as it is exotic. Little shop of horrors. Don't shop around. Go see it at the Westwood Playhouse. 1980s. What? Like, what is this? At its absolute finest. Did you also catch, speaking of Little Shop, did you catch that Jack Nicholson is in the original yes, yes. Little Shop movie? <laughs> like, what? what is he doing there? I'm obsessed with that. Before um, The Shining. <laughs> unbelievable. And like this thing that, you know, uh, again, he says, you know, everybody was like, you're going to, what? You're going to write a musical about Little Shop of Horrors? That movie sucked. You know, like, right. what are you doing? And so I just am so glad that that Howard Ashman and people like him didn't listen to critics you know like they didn't listen you know they listened to the people that they wanted to listen to and that that internal clock that internal compass was yeah. so you know strong because otherwise little shop never gets made you know what i mean right because even his agent he, he's talking in the movie they give his agent was like this is a stupid idea you know right um and but it's a testament yeah. to the the understanding of uh and joe and i are because we're writing together we're focusing on this a lot now but like when you have an understanding of the craft of something you can tell any story you want right like little shop is just an american musical comedy it's yeah. not any like it's stretched to its limits it's almost a parody of the musical comedy but that's exactly what book of mormon is totally. there is no book of mormon without little shop it's right. the same thing book of mormon follows this exact formula of what Rodgers and Hammerstein wrote an American musical to be. Exactly. You know? Exactly. So super duper cool. Um, all right. So let's get to the fun. Let's get songs. We love the songs. We love this is so now we're going to, this is our favorite. Um, uh, this I thought was very cool just for a second. I, I read this in, in Vanity Fair that, um, and it's actually, it's in the, um, the documentary as well, but Don Hahn said, uh, who, who directed the Howard documentary said that kill the beast, right. From beating the beast was a metaphor for Ashman dealing with a debilitating disease of AIDS in an era when it was stigmatized, you know? And so there were so many of those underpinnings to the movie that people may not have seen. And this is something that like people maybe don't necessarily agree with, you know, people who are close to him, whatever. But I think that the idea, like how could you not, as somebody who was dealing with AIDS at the height of the AIDS crisis, feeling and he says in the movie that he didn't tell people for so long because he felt like he was going to get fired from writing lyrics for Disney movies for writing lyrics for family movies as this disease was stigmatized you know and and politicized so horribly that like how could you not feel like the beast in this you know how could you not feel like everybody's chasing you with pitchforks and watching those clips with that in mind i just i just could you know you get chills and what the guy must yeah. have been going through is he is he was trying to just all he wants to do is write a lyric and write a song but how can you not infuse that with the part of you that is you know literally dying i don't know it's just it was yeah. it was a lot it's amazing yeah, yeah. i you know it, it it's interesting when i was thinking about we're reading this book save the cat all of the shows he chose are out of the bottle stories they're 
all of these mm-hmm. shows are yeah. somebody who wants another life. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And like, you can say that's an accident and we're not going to say that he's, he was trying to put his own life on the stage. Like, I think that that's a controversial statement, yeah. but at least he understands this idea that, he, that the hand he was dealt was not a fair one. Right. And perhaps he was trying to teach himself through his work that the life he has can be a good life, you know? Yeah. The seaweed is always greener lyric, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> totally. 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 Um, so we'll talk, we're getting into like, you know, the specifics of, of the songs and the stuff that we love. I, so we're talking the goosebump test. Yeah. I, if you even say the title of the war of, of, of the song beauty and the beast, I, I get chills. <laughs> I don't even I don't even have to like I don't even have to listen to it. I just have to think about the transition from when he's like getting all scrubbed up in the bath or whatever and then he he emerges. <clears throat> Taylor's oldest time. And that simple simple padded piano and then we we broke this down in college where it's a major it's a major triad going up this this the scale da 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 dum da 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 dum it's just like a major triad taylor's oldest time get out of here get out of here yeah so because it's not just uh it's not just a lyric or a feeling it's like the the reason that the rhythm and that the chord progressions are chosen is all because of the moment that it's serving. And the lyric is serving that too. It's just, they were so good at that. You know, it's yeah. almost like the pinnacle of what Rodgers and Hammerstein were doing taken in a contemporary context. Exactly. Like, like you can follow that thread. My, my goosebump test is there are two. One is um, the big swell at the end of part of your world. Mm-hmm. Yep. Out of the sea, wish I could be like yeah. after it it swells to the crescendo, and then it's just like this quiet moment. Goosebumps right now, just thinking about yep, it. Yep. And also when the elephant crashes <laughs> through the door in Prince Ali. <laughs> totally. You know, and totally. that swell too. They just got me with their swells. Totally. Uh, the dynamics of those just always push me. In the document, we're talking about motifs, favorite motifs in the doc, uh, in the documentary, there's this, there's this picture of, of a lyric that he wrote or like not a lyric, but like something that he wrote on a note card. What is a beast and what is a man? And I thought the motif of, of that back to what we were saying about his struggle with his health, that like the way the world would be viewing him and the way that 
they view another man or the way like what is like that that idea in all of the movies and all of his lyrics have to deal with this 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 line between you know what is what is good and what is evil and what is what is a beast and what is a man i don't know i thought that that the sort of lyric motif of that was was amazing and then and then i just had this this joke that he does talk a lot about the sun setting, the sun setting and the sun rising, you know, and I joked about it earlier that like the only reason, you know, you can't say, uh, certain as the sun rising in the West tale as old as time, right. beauty and the best. No, the way that I know <laughs> that the sun rises in the East is because, because of beauty and the beast. And it rhymes with beast. Because it rhymes with beast. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. The main part of this. And honestly, like, yeah, you know, the, the reason we're here um, our favorite lyrics and I just there's too many to count and there's too many shows of to course. get you know but I think the saddest part of this is thinking about the shows that could have been and the yeah. lyrics that could have been I think there's just such an, an air of that around everything about Howard is just like God what can you imagine if he had another 30 years I know and the shows that we'd have and the movies that we'd have and I know you know so anyway but on a, on a funny happier note um <laughs> I am a couple of my favorites. What do they got? A lot of sand. We've got a hot crustacean band. A hot crustacean band. band. <laughs> also, everything about Les Poissons is hysterical, yeah. but the, the the rhyme scheme of Les Poissons, Les Poissons, he 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 ha ha ha. Les Poissons, Les Poissons, he 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 ha ha ha. It gets me every time. And it's funny because it's just like the chef is not a bad guy, but the chef is a bad guy in the movie because there's a bunch of fish watching him. But like if that guy's just like he loves cooking fish, what's wrong with that? Well, it's bad if you are a fish, you know? (laughs) Yeah, right. Um, Yeah. What about you? I have a bunch here. Um. I've I mentioned it earlier, but the the seaweed is always greener in somebody else's lake. The the grass is always greener lyric. Uh and that consistent idea. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. probably my motif, right? Yeah. It's like I mean somewhere that's green. Idea that the, yeah. Somewhere that's green. Um, even uh Aladdin has some of it, even though he hasn't written a lot of music like that. And like uh Bell in the opening of In Bell. <laughs> You know, this idea yeah, yeah, that like yeah. we're longing for a life that is that is different from our own, that's yeah. better somewhere yeah. else. Yeah. But I want adventure that... in the great wide somewhere. <laughs> I want it more than sing, I can Joe. tell. Yeah, you better sing too. We're singing yes. on this freaking thing. <laughs> God, that's awesome. I've also always just loved uh Kiss the Girl. Yeah. Uh, as we discovered last week, I'm a sucker for the romantic lyrics and like when that just like yeah. When that groove comes in, you know. Strings. Winds. Words. There you see her. Sitting there across the way. She don't got a lot to say, but there's something about her. And you don't know why, but you're dying to try. You want to kiss the girl. Did you hear something? Well, and 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 the desperation of Sebastian, like, right? If you know what I mean, like, you did. I didn't even get yeah. really catch that until last night watching the documentary. Where like he, Sebastian, everybody needs them. That they need this to happen, you know? Yeah. And it's so anyway. Mm-hmm. It, it's just fantastic. Um, and it's so specific and so amazing. Um, I think that the most 
replayed song is is almost like how do you pick in a way like for me it's probably beauty and the beast mm-hmm. i think it's a perfect song i think that suddenly seymour is also an amazing song that we broke down as, as a lyric exercise in college which is so silly but really fun that like suddenly is one of the most important words in musical theater something was happening and then out of nowhere something else happened this version just kills me um this production they did in la but it's just it's uh, it's so good so those are probably my two most replayed favorite lyrics mine mine has got to be friend like me um yeah i was a big aladdin guy yeah so it's unfortunate that i didn't have more howard ashman songs in aladdin i would have loved to hear some of what those other tunes were but yeah things happen Friend Like Me, Prince Ali. Um, I was basically had Aladdin, Lion King, and Hercules on repeat when I was a kid. Yeah, so, exactly. Um, that was a big one. And uh, Gaston would be my most replayed song from, from Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. I just enjoyed the, the rhyme scheme and the game of it. And the, yeah. One slick as Gaston, no one's quick as Gaston, no one's next as incredibly thick as Gaston, for there's no man in town half as manly. Perfect up your paragon. You can ask any Tom, Dick, or Stanley, and they'll tell you whose team they prefer to be on. You know, I was just a guy who liked musicals. So like Exactly. And then I couldn't I couldn't latch myself into it's too predictable, but I couldn't latch myself into these like girl songs, like, oh, I don't listen to the guy songs. <laughs> well, and you wanted to be roughly the size of a barge, you know. I'm That's sure right. like you go through these these you know pockets of time where you're trying to, you know, put on weight and look like him and <laughs> Yeah, exactly. God, that's funny. That's really, really good. But I love what you said, the game of it too. Like that song is just, it's, it's a masterful, you know, it's a masterful game. It truly is. So we have the, we have our performances category, which I think is more about shows, but I just think that Robin Williams as the genie, rest in peace is so iconic. And I, I wonder, I, this is the thing that I would, if I ever got to ask, you know, Alan Menken or somebody, I want to know who comes up with, the voices that he came up with in Friend Like Me. Mine is, mine is Jerry Orbach is Lumiere. Yep. Right? Again, like, iconic rest in peace. We're sitting there watching last night, and Julie's like, oh, that guy, which is my favorite thing that, that we do yeah. when she recognizes somebody yeah. from something oh, else. Oh, it's that guy. Oh, that guy. And I'm like, how do you know Jerry Orbach? Law and Order. Duh. <laughs> yeah. Also, uh, yeah. <laughs> the original Billy Flynn. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know? Right, right, right. Musical theater. Icon. 
He's he's an icon. He's a musical icon. theater icon. Um, yeah. yeah, just so freaking cool. Um, and that footage was just just amazing. So awesome. Um, yeah. And then I think you know, for me, the the aging of this, you know, what holds up the best, what yeah. holds up the worst. I mean, the movies still hold up. Every single movie. Uh, yeah. they're still iconic. They're clearly, you they know, keep making them over. Exactly. And over again. I mean, yeah, exactly. They just, they're, you know, <laughs> he's, st- you know, they just was Aladdin the last one they did of, or was Beauty and the Beast the last one, you know, it was Beauty and the Beast and Aladdin. Crazy. Um, and then I just, I mean, the sad thing is just the worst is just, I wish we all wish he was here, you know, like I, 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 I wish that there was a, you know, I wish there were more shows. I wish that he had more time and, yeah. That's kind of the hardest part of that of that of the movie to watch. And then one of the things that I just I I was reading a bunch of stuff and there was this the, there was this quote that I I really loved um that Alan Macon um said about Howard. Um I guess the most important thing to know is if anybody has feelings that AIDS is God's punishment or something, then just look at the man and what he created and what it is in our lives and think about that. And then he's speaking of the way in which AIDS, the AIDS crisis cut down a generation of creative men and women, Macon added, it would be great if Howard was alive. We could write a musical about all of that. So the idea that, yeah, that just, that breaks my heart. Think of just the, the music that could have been, you know. It crushes me because I think about like losing you. Like that's what it, well, that's what it is. Like what would I yeah. do? Yeah, like what, what would you do? Your best friend and collaborator and even more than best friend, like your artistic second half. Yeah. Like he talks about how Howard like rebuilt how he makes, like how could you go and make anything again? It's like, oh man, I just can't imagine what that was like for him. Yeah. And that's what aged the worst for me is watching some of the footage of the way people traded, treated um, gay people and and people with HIV during this time, it's really disgusting to watch. Right. And I see a lot of resonance in the way that people are treating Black Lives Matter and the way that people are are handling the pandemic. You know, it's like yeah. we just see the the country kind of live in these cycles and it's it's easier to look back on them now knowing what you know, but it's also like we got to see people for who they are first. You know, yeah. even the people, even the beast, you know? Yeah. Totally. It's like even the people that we don't love, you got to find the what makes them human. And that's yeah. what he did in his work. And that's what we have to do as people. Yeah. Um, and what aged the best is like, I think he talked about how in the beginning of the documentary, he's talking about, oh, you know, I grew up on Rodgers and Hammerstein and My Fair Lady and whatever and Three Penny Opera and these other shows that, that, formed and Godspell, you know, formed the off-Broadway movement. Like I'm just a student of my generation and he is the teacher of our generation. Right. 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 And like he is, that's, he's, he introduced our generation to what a musical can be. And totally. And cause you know, literally that changed the Disney's trajectory totally. from a company that was struggling to what it is today. And like, you know, that, Pasek and Paul and Lin-Manuel Miranda yeah. and the Lopez's, yeah. they were watching these movies and they were learning how to structure story around mm-hmm. Howard Ashman. And so I think everything we have... We should have had Benjer Justin come on here because they wrote lyrics for the new Aladdin movie. <sighs> All right. Well, 
This was a new, I mean, this was an idea you had to talk about this movie. Like we, we just talked about it, like, you know, a couple days ago, we made the decision to talk about it. And I was like, yeah, maybe there's a world where we could send Alan Menken an email and he would talk to us. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, we, we got to meet him, you know, a few times and, yeah. um, maybe, maybe Benj and Justin would come on and nerd out about like what, you know, what Howard Benj would definitely yeah. come on. Yeah. So we should, we should do that. What? Hey, audience. Hey. <laughs> Send me a DM. What show should we talk to uh, Benj Pasek about? Don't say Dear Evan Hansen. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> exactly. Um, but that, uh, this was, uh, so again, we highly, highly, highly recommend this, this documentary. Um, check it out. Watch all the Disney movies and, uh, you know, celebrate the life of Howard Ashman with us this week. And then. What do you think, Joe? More Disney next week? I honestly might want to. Like Hercules, maybe. Bless my soul. Hercules. Do you think we can get, I think we could get her to come on. Let's talk about it next week on guys on who guys like, who like musicals. musicals. <laughs> yeah, okay. Thanks for listening. Go on, unfold your man. You take a glass and then you'll be our guest. We are guests. Be our guest. I'm already over five minutes, aren't I? <laughs> Tale as old as time, true as it can be. Barely even friends, then somebody bends unexpectedly. Just a little change, small to say the least. Both a little scared, neither one prepared. Beauty and the beast. Thank you for listening to Guys Who Like Musicals. We are produced by Dan Tracy and Joe Carroll, your hosts. You can find us on Instagram at Guys Who Like Musicals or on Twitter at Musical Guys. For more information about us or our show, please visit our new website at guyswholikemusicals.com. You can find our merch store, our Patreon page, and more. Thanks for listening. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.